Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sheila Shoiga, and welcome to Ready To Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort, or simply entertain you. In this episode, I speak to holistic sex educator, Jenny Keane. I just think it's such a shame, you yes, know, like yes, it's, yes. it's when people talk about shame and sex. Oh, I've, n- <laughs> hmm. yeah. I've never cried in a podcast before, Sheila. This is the first. <laughs> but, you know, I receive so many messages from people who feel that they're broken. Yeah. From people who feel like their relationships are doomed. And actually, there are, and they think they have no options. And actually, there are a multitude of options. And when you give people options, you give them hope. You give them life, and I just think that's so important to do, you know, especially when people are struggling. This is an episode I've been looking forward to recording for ages, and it didn't disappoint. Jenny talks sexual confidence, the importance of connection. She talks shame and blame, self-pleasure and dirty talk. She also answers your questions on fantasies, sex toys, and she gives us a fascinating insight into orgasm as well. She's so knowledgeable and great crack. And as you'd imagine, this is a conversation for adult ears only. So something to be mindful of as you listen. I absolutely loved it. And I think you will too. Jenny Keane, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So you were responsible for a cucumber shortage in Ireland. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but it's definitely what the, the narrative was. <laughs> it's funny, you know. <laughs> it was gas looking at your Instagram stories around. The, we have to explain, I suppose, to people who are maybe listening. What are they talking about cucumbers for? <laughs> so why was there a supposed 
Cucumber shortage in Ireland. <laughs> okay, because I was whole, and it's so funny because some people are thinking like I'm telling people to stick them inside themselves, and that's not what I was doing <laughs> at all. Um, I I uh, was running a, a a sex skills workshop on blowjobs, and uh, as part of that, I was also teaching hand techniques, and instead of having a rush of people try to find, you know, suction cup dildos to practice on in terms of going to sex shops, I was like, I was like, well, they can just get a cucumber. It's as easy, you know? So I said, you know, bring a suction cup dildo or a cucumber. And What's um, a suction cup dildo when it's at home? So it's like a dildo. It's like a mold of a penis, but it has a suction cup at the end of it. So All right, okay. You, you bang it on the table. It. You, know the, you know the way you have the shower, <laughs> the, the sponges in the showers that you can stick to the, to the wall. Oh like yeah, that. okay, okay. So, <laughs> means you can stick it can you imagine what people do with them you know i'm already giving you creative ideas <laughs> you we're can like 30 seconds them. in and tips tips are flying tips are flying exactly <laughs> right okay so they so so everybody who partook of your course had a cucumber or something like that some sort of yeah like well i said a thing. cucumber is best because of what we were doing i was also teaching uh because uh, a lot of people want to know this like i always go off what people want to know you know yeah. otherwise i'm speaking to a, into a black hole but people want to know about gagging and deep throating and I was teaching the education and also the the what's happening physiologically in the body and I was saying you know a cucumber is best because I had some people saying they uh, they had a, sorry they had a courgette and they were just like the courgette's a bit rough when we got to that section I was like that's why I told you to get a bloody cu- cucumber yeah because courgette kind of it's, it's a bit kinda, rough on the edges you know yeah and it's kind of it's kind of it's thicker well it's also it's, got, it's got the ridges you know yeah oh the ridges yeah, yeah. So the, <laughs> in the wrong direction. <laughs> so are people actually using the cucumbers and the courgettes as, you know, to, as, uh, to demo? Yeah, because it's it's okay. it, there, it's it's really I know it's, you know, some people are like, it's actually easier to practice hand techniques on something that's a bit firmer, you know, Okay. Yeah. Uh, especially when it's like anything when you're when it's when you're new to it, you know, you want to make it as easy as possible. And so for me, I was teaching the, the hand techniques and I was like, well, there's no point in me teaching this and that having them having, uh, you know, just to just watching me because there's you know there's three different types of of ways that we learn you know some people are very visual some people are more auditory and then some people are more kinesthetic which means they have to actually be doing something in order to in order to learn it Mm. so I might so what I try to do in the workshops is hit hit these three areas you know obviously I'm talking about what I'm doing and and then I'm showing them what I'm doing but then the people who need the kinesthetic uh, uh, part of that it's better for them to be also practicing because it goes into your body more into into muscle memory <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know yeah 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 mm. so I'm guessing that the men of Ireland really need to, they're, they're probably like you know in in some ways thank not some ways in a lot of ways I got a lot of messages from men yeah. yeah did you I actually you know what was really beautiful was I did the the blowjob I did three workshops in a row which were so in the summertime I always do sex skills workshops and um this year I did three in a row which was uh and they, they kind of built on on each other you know so the first one was sexual confidence sex second one the second the second one I'm saying sex all the time now. The second one was uh, the blowjob workshop and the third one was a going down workshop. So that was about oral sex techniques and also hand techniques for for pleasure for people with vulvas. And after the blowjob workshop, um, the other one was already sold out. And the, I had a lot of uh, male partners saying, you know, we I had such an amazing time with my partner. Is there a workshop that you're doing where I can learn how to pleasure her oh, and cool. return the favor? I had so many of those messages that I actually opened 
opened up a couple of places in the workshop for the the guys that were messaging in. I was like, I can't say no to this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Ah. And like I said it to you when I met you downstairs. Um, like you're adored. I, like I opened it up on my Instagram last night. I left it a bit late, actually, because the amount of messages that have been coming in for you. I mean, I knew that you'd be getting some messages. But I didn't realize the volume, but also a lot of people just saying, I love her. Thank you for having her on or I'm really excited to listen in. Um, you're really making a difference to people. You're you're you've got a huge fan base. Mm. Well, I'm, I mean, I, I adore everybody in my community as well. You know, like I we've built this very slowly. I always say, like, I'm not working alone. I'm not doing this on my own. And I'm very I'm very adamant about saying that, because if it wasn't for the people who are coming into the women, you know, who who started off like who were brave enough to step into a workshop online, you know, when they didn't know me or they didn't know what I was talking about. And and where sex education, I mean, over the last two half years the word sex education and sexual wellness has really become a lot bigger and a lot more known and a lot more talked about in the open two and a half years ago was absolutely not like that so people who were willing to step into a space where you know they were still maybe nervous or terrified that I was whipping off my pants and showing them how to you know um, orgasm by sticking my own fingers up myself you know which is absolutely not what I do yeah, <laughs> just yeah, to say yeah um I mean people who were who that was a lot of that were, they were big worries for people back in you know in 2020 when I started the workshops online and it, it's because of the women who were turning up there and they were, you know, willing to share with their friends, willing to open up and have these conversations with their girlfriends, with their partners, that this started to ripple, you know, um, over the last couple of years. And, you know, I always say um, I'm very engaged with uh, my audience. I try to, you know, uh, reply to DMs every now and again. And now it's, it's, a, it's a lot harder because I receive so many of them. But if people are coming into my workshops and they're com- returning over and over, over and over again and they're engaging in the chat box I start to know their names they you know so they're we're developing a relationship and I always say that you know I'm only doing what I'm doing because they're participating in the conversation that that we're ha- we're having it together you know and I like, I wouldn't be doing this if I was speaking into a black hole it's yeah. because I'm getting feedback the workshops that I create are workshops based off of what the people who are engaging with me want to know you know it's coming in from the questions that you would receive yeah. um and and for me it's always a conversation I love doing the workshops online and live because in the moment you have this incredible environment I, like, I can't describe it I always I never thought that you would I would be able to do this like we were I was doing these workshops in person before I went online and the atmosphere in person is so beautiful and there's something very um sweet and tender and also kind of wild and magical and I don't mean wild in the kind of crazy sense but wild as in nature you know like that wildness very free Mm. and I kind of thought like well that would never translate online and I was so it was only because of COVID you know that I even went online in the first place and from the first workshop I was like my goodness like there's something really powerful about being in this space as well and and I think online for the type of work that you're doing like that it gives people that who may be reluctant to buy a ticket and and you know a, a turn up at a venue they can do it in the privacy and the secrecy of their own home and they can learn that way mm-hmm. and there's a real comfort in that because again the reason I think I was surprised but I pleasantly surprised by the messages was even though I I said obviously they're anonymous but still it would require someone to to share share something maybe that is a difficulty or a desire and you're putting yourself outside your comfort zone but what it's showing to me is that 
people really want to have these conversations. Mm. They want to feel better in their bodies. Now, you're saying in the last few years, I'm wondering, like, because it feels like you're the one unlocking something within us that that a lot of people have been craving for some time. Is there something else happening? Like, why is there this shift now? It's a positive one, obviously. Yeah. What's happening, do you think? Oh, you know, I think it's much larger than me. I mean, there's always, you know, many things going on around, you know. So like in in 2019, we started to see the beginning of people taught like a lot more. Like I've obviously been following this journey even before it was online. So in terms of people speaking about sex education in an online setting, we started to see kind of an explosion of of pleasure positive um, pleasure-based sex education becoming quite available online in a way that it was never available before. And then obviously in 2020, I think with lockdown, we had this amazing, as hard as it was in so many ways, we had this amazing kind of, uh, I suppose it's like the perfect chemical reaction for suddenly people to be aware of wellness on all areas. So people became more aware of mental mental wellness. They became more um I suppose uh, they understood the importance and the priority that needed to be given to things like emotional wellness and physical wellness, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I always say that like sexual wellness is not separate from all of that, even though it had less, it's had less airtime in the past, and that's down to so many things where it's you know just in, you know. Uh, uh, there's never been a, it's hard, it's hard, you know, to have a conversation about something that has never been conversed in public and in open spaces before. So nobody had the language, but here we started to have the language about a year beforehand. And then in 2020, um, as I said, this perfect kind of chemical reaction where people were like, hold on a second, sexual wellness is just as important here, you know, and people were starting to ask the question, you know, when they're suddenly with their partner 24 seven, you know, how do we maintain closeness or, actually there's a recognition that maybe there is a disconnect and there is a separation and there is a distance between people and that's felt because they were suddenly in the same space so people were asking the questions like how do we how do we repair this how do we move towards connection um what are the options and then people who were on their own and weren't able to date were suddenly asking well what about me what can i do for myself and there became mm. it was a really a huge explosion on the kind of i suppose eye on self-pleasure and the importance of self-pleasure uh, in that time as well so um I think there was many things around it I think I just was very primed in terms of the work that I was doing to um and 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 in the way that uh, I was offering it suddenly people were were coming in throws like I, I I said um in the sexual wellness workshop so I did orgasm online for the very first time in April 2020 and that was actually only born out of the fact that I was due to do an in-person orgasm workshop in the Fumbly Stables actually oh, yeah. and I put an email out to everybody that was there 23 women and I said look um I know we're supposed to be in person but everyone's doing this thing on zoom we could try it if it doesn't work should be out lockdown in six weeks so it's grand uh we can do it all we can do it and they were all like I've been waiting for four months they were all on the list for since before Christmas and they were like we need this information now so do it online and we can if it doesn't work we'll come in person so I put the rest of the tickets up uh, on on Instagram just to my mm. uh community at the time and I had like 2,000 followers at this point and those tickets went in a flash then I had people saying can you do it again I missed the tickets so I put it on a couple of days later those tickets were gone in a flash then someone said to me um Jenny just up your limit on zoom and to 500 and I was like oh Jesus Christ I'm not gonna do like 500 places I don't need to pay for that you know and they were like just do it 
those 500 places were gone. Then the next workshop, I had 800 women at it. And so it was a ripple. And, wow. you know, yeah. and just to say as well, like very clearly, I can't do any advertising. I can't do any marketing online because of the rules and restrictions when it comes to um, the language that you use around sexual wellness and sexual education. It's blocked, you know, so. All right. um, so this was all word of mouth. That. Yeah, it's all word of mouth. So on, on Facebook and Instagram, for example, you can run ads when they're uh, in line with sexual health so if I was advertising condoms I could say you know uh, used to prevent unwanted pregnancies but I couldn't say you know these condoms for her pleasure that's not allowed you know all right okay the pleasure so, bit is the pleasure the bit it's the we... health bit that's allowed the pleasure bit that's not allowed I went to my phone straight away there because you know we've got a lot of questions in for you mm. but one that really jumped out this is the thing that keeps running around in my head I've heard you speak about this in an interview and you're very quick to say I don't necessarily agree with the statement. Mm. It's not necessarily an Irish thing. You're constantly asked, are we very repressed as an Irish, as Irish people, sexually repressed? Um, And there's a question here that I think reflects it. You're quick to say it's not necessarily just an Irish thing. Mm -hmm. And actually that there's a real, clearly there's a real appetite for what you're about. So people want to open up the conversation. But this, I think, is, is an important one to address because I think shame is a huge player in the conversation of mm. sex in Ireland. Mm-hmm. So the question is, can I amputate the shame that was attached to me within within me by being raised a woman in Catholic Ireland? Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. It can happen. Yeah, and, and, and I'm quick to jump in because I think a lot of uh, when people say, you know, are Irish people sexually repressed? Um, because I, and I say this because I, I used to teach these workshops all over the world. And when I came home, I never thought to teach them in Ireland because I was like, oh, sure, Ireland, like Irish people aren't going to want to hear about it. This is the narrative. This is what we're told. Irish people are sexually repressed. And, and actually, we're told that it's a worldwide view that has that. It's not just Ireland itself. Yeah. You know? And I suppose if we're putting that label on ourselves. Then, I mean, where does that go in the yeah, future? You know, yeah, so yeah. I and, and what I'll say is, is that like it was never my experience. Once I came home and told like my close friends, first of all, what I was doing because they asked, not because I like I, I, I learned, you know, a lot of people were like, I never knew some of my best friends knew I was doing this. But some of my other friends, wider friends would be like, I never knew you were you were doing this. I thought it was just the yoga. And I'm like, well, it was safe to talk about yoga. It, it wasn't very safe to talk about what I was doing because there's a lot of projection. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of, oh my goodness, sure. I, I, I say the story as well. Like my sister at one point called my mum when I was in a, a training and um, she said, I think Jenny is in a sex cult and she's there, you know, preparing, <laughs> you know, plane tickets to get me out, you know. No and way. my mum rings me and says, right, now, I just need to know exactly what you're doing because your sister is currently looking at flights <laughs> and she thinks you're in a cult. And I was like, I'm not in a cult. I'm in a training. And I said, I sent her all the details and she's like, okay, great. And I haven't fun. And I said, I think it's the best training I've ever done in my life. And she was like, that's brilliant. You know, so my mum has always been a massive advocate. Um, she's also been like very for like very future thinking and always has been. And so you came uh, from a household that talking about sex was very normal and very healthy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Great. Yeah. My, like, as, a, as a young kid, like I was at the dinner table, my parents were talking about sex, talking about their sexual attraction for each other and adding comedy in as well, adding humor in. Now, I will say um, 
I never, that's not the experience of, of all, a lot of people. No. Yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, it no, isn't. it's not. No. So it's lovely to hear that. It is. And also as well that like them being Irish, you know, as well. I mean, this is where I say like, I don't agree with the label of Irish people being repressed. Also because, you know, as I said, I was teaching this all over the world. When I did start teaching in Ireland, there is a quality to Irish people, to their sense of curiosity and their willingness to lean in to, you know, conversations and situations that make that can make a lot of people uncomfortable make them feel awkward there there's still this ability to lean in and i always say you know with our history um you know I mean, our sexual history is only one channel with our history across the board. You know, we've seen such darkness like in our history, but Irish people have this innate ability. Like you look at storytellers, you look at poets, you look at writers, like you look at anybody that's talking, you know, and comedians, there's this ability to add humor and inject comedy into some of the darkest parts mm, of our time. history and and not and, and what that does is it, it and, and and also as well to to find beauty in that as well and and that's something i have to say i've traveled all around the world i have not seen that quality existing in other nations and this is why i refuse to let people say we're sexually repressed okay because what i found is is that once Irish people are given the channel to have an open conversation, once they're given just even a small little bit of language around how to communicate around um, sex effectively, or even just seeing, I suppose for me, for a lot of people, they see me speaking openly. They see me sharing a lot of things, which people, which people would be like, geez, you're very brave for sharing it. And what they're seeing is inspiration. It's like, oh, it's okay to talk about anal sex. It's okay to talk about pegging. It's okay to, t- here's someone What's doing pegging? it. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> Write down pegging. What is pegging? Here's my... <laughs> lovely brain going putting clothes on the line that's where I've gone there we go uh, it's a nice dry day yeah uh, putting clothes on the line well it's it's not is it sexier than that it's very sexy okay. yeah and there's all a right. lot more fluid involved all right <laughs> ready um, the opposite of drying <laughs> So, yeah, and this is what I would say. And what I would say to, you know, to anyone that experiences this shame that they that's held in their body and maybe they feel it as, you know, I always say, you know, when when we're cha- people talk about like sexual revolution and I talk about it as well. I say like I, there's this thing that a lot of people um, quote me on, I think, um, in the media where they say, you know, Jenny came back to start a sexual revolution. And I say this, it sounds very big, you know, but but what I'm talking about is that, you know, before revolution happens at a national level, it happens at an individual level first. It's the small changes that happen inside of yourself that maybe bring you closer to yourself or bring you closer to parts of yourself that you haven't met yet, you know? Yeah. And and that starts to ripple into, into family, into friends, into community. That ripples into larger communities and that ripples to national levels and then that ripples to global levels as well. That's how revolutions start. And so what I always say is that when people are experiencing the shame that they're that that that's held inside of them you know that shame can come from a national level and move into the individual and it can also start in the individual and move into a national and there's there's always this conversation happening between you know what's big and what's small what's small and what's big in that sense and it's about understanding the relationship if someone is feeling that there is shame inside of their body regardless of where it's coming from right whether it's you know our Irish history or whether it's something that happened to them um in childhood or as a teenager or someone saying some small thing to them you know that they've carried with them um the fact that you can feel 
that you're holding that shame is the beginning of everything, the awareness around it. And and people don't, uh, I think, bring enough celebration to the awareness of that feeling inside of themselves. And once you have that awareness of that feeling, yes, of course, it's possible to change because you are in charge of what is inside of your body and what isn't. See, I love this because I'll be honest, I get this question. Mm. I get it very much because I am. I suppose went to, you know, a Catholic school. The sex talk was very layered and it was, it was all, I suppose I felt like the, the language around it was all about the dangers. Yeah. The dangers of sex, Mm. you know, and, um, the pleasure bit was never brought into it. Um, but I feel as a woman now in my forties, I'm in a really good place with it all. Like Mm -hmm. I really am, but it didn't happen overnight and I did have to look at it. I did have to examine it. Mm-hmm. and kind of pull back the curtain on it in a way and look at it and and say, what is my relationship here with sex? You know, wh- where does this come from? And and I suppose really it's about taking your power back, isn't it? Absolutely. And this is what I say about sex education. You know, what I found in my own, in my own journey, in my own discovery of, of everything that I know now is that everything starts with, First of all, the awareness, right? Mm. The, uh, the awareness brings you to questions. And so that woman, is it possible to get rid of the shame? That question is important because that question is a movement towards curiosity and that curiosity is openness. And that openness will become an invitation for change later on. Mm. If you haven't got the openness or the invitation, um, or if you don't have the openness, you don't have the invitation. And so the, that starts with questions. I always say curiosity is absolutely everything in this. Like when people say like, how did you get into this wor- work? I'm like, I I can't even answer that question because it's not a linear answer because what I did was I asked, I asked the questions that my, that I was feeling in my body and at what they weren't linear questions. They were bringing me over here, over here. It looks like a tree, you know, like branches on a tree, literally growing everywhere. But what it did is that it all funneled down inside me, like this one body, you know, and this is where everything is coming from. But it came, all of those questions came from myself first. I think, you know, people say about, you know, the idea of sex, like, and does sex get better as you age? And I think it absolutely does. If you talk to anybody, right? I talk to people. Absolutely. Yeah. And why does it, why does it get better as you age? Because you get more comfortable in your own skin, I feel. Yeah. And that's it. Sex gets better as we age, as we become more self-accepting and the more self-acceptance that we have, the more confident we are, because I always say, I, I, in this workshop about uh, sexual confidence that I did, I said confidence is actually connection. Mm. You feel confident when you feel connected. Big time, right. Yeah. So if think about like body confidence, for example, right? When like I have I, I still have weeks like this. Like I say, like confidence isn't something that you arrive at and stay at for the rest of your life. It's this thing that you kind of, you know, touch every now and again and then you come away from, you know. So it's like you're you're always moving towards it and away from it and then towards it again. And for me, it's it's allowing that to be, you know, the fact of life, right? It's this, it's this beautiful um wave, right? It's not something that we're there and we're there forever. So, um, for me, confidence is more about connection. And when we talk about, you know, body confidence, the times where I 
move more and eat well, I feel connected to my body because those are the things that help. Movement for me is really important for me to be connected to my body more than, you know, people say like nature is really important for me. Movement is the most important thing for me. When I'm moving my body, I feel connected to my body. But there are weeks where, you know, work gets on top of me and I move less and I eat more. And because I haven't got time, I eat more takeaways. And then that makes me feel disconnected from my body. And then I'm not feeling as confident. So I'm less likely if I'm on a date or if I'm dating somebody um, to wear lingerie that night, right? So for me, I'm just, I prefer to get fully naked rather than be like, don't look at me in clothes, you know? (laughs) Okay. Whereas on the weeks when I'm, you know, feeling connected to my body, I have time, I've made time for myself. Um, I've, uh, you know, eaten the food that makes my body feel good. I've moved in the way that makes my body feel good. It doesn't, my my size or my weight has not changed, Mm. but the way that I feel means that I'm more confident because I'm connected and that has a ripple like effect into what I'm willing to do sexually as well right I would say it's the bedrock you know <laughs> yes I'm fascinated with the because we we've we've been talking about confidence on the on the podcast recently as well and you know po- um when you hear the word confidence sometimes that can that can you know some people can listen to it going oh I don't know I'm like I'm not confident I'm struggling mm. with that I'd love to be more but I don't know if you agree with this, but I would wonder, I think sometimes when it comes to not just sexual confidence, because they're all intertwined, but confidence in life does require you to be vulnerable. Mm, absolutely. Because once you allow yourself to maybe, I I like I'm going with the flow here, I may get it right, I may get it wrong, but you know what, I'm going to give it a go and this is me. And you get a bit more comfortable at, you know, getting it right or getting it wrong mm. and therefore maybe be flawed. Absolutely. You actually build, am I right in thinking you build confidence that way? Yes. I always say before confidence comes safety, between safety and confidence is competence or practice, right? Okay. So the, the foundation of confidence is. And safety is huge. Safety. Yeah. But Mm. when we talk about safety, I think a lot of people have this connotation and, and rightly so, because especially when we talk about sex, when we've been given fear-based education, um, we kind of we've only been told that sex is dangerous, you know? Yeah. And so a lot of people are engaging in sex and suddenly thinking, God, if I add the word safety into anything to do with sex, it becomes boring, right? And it's a very interesting thing. You ask people about this. Oh, right, yeah, okay. I can see why they would think that. I wouldn't. But I can see why some people do. Yeah. And then um, but it is it is the bedrock of absolutely everything, because what safety is, is a feeling of, again, being in your body, being safe to feel what your body is feeling. Right. And also feeling confident enough, feeling competent enough to be able to respond to what it is that you're hearing. Mm. So if you're in a situation to be able to hear the no and then say the no, that's a huge skill for a lot of people to be able to hear the yes and then express the yes. Right. So that all comes from safety. The practice bit of it is the bit that, you know, it's like confidence is like a muscle, right? Like you have to keep working on it. So I always say, like, when we talk about sex as as a skill, it's to highlight the fact that a lot of people think that when we approach sex, we're all just, we all know what we're doing, right? But how do we know what we're doing? We've never been taught. We've never been told. We've never actually had real life representations of what sex looks like in the real world because our ideas of it haven't been given to us by media, not just porn, but also movies, also, you know, music videos. Like I I remember MTV growing up and and all those kind of things. So we're, and lyrics of songs, we're literally being bombarded. Images, 
in magazines, you know, billboards, we're being bombarded with what sex is, what it looks like, what it sounds like, what it feels like. And so to be able to arrive in your body, in your experience, that's what safety is, right? And to stay there. And the, the, as I said, the sex as a skill thing then is really about understanding that just like anything in school, right? Some of us have a propensity towards, you know, being very mathematical. Others are a lot more creative naturally, right? But we can all learn, We, if we're even if we're creative naturally, we can all learn the basics of mathematics. And then if we're interested in that, can keep building on it, can keep building on it. And sex is just like anything else. In order to be good at something, in order to be competent, and then in order to move into confidence, you have to practice. Generally, in order to practice, it is important to have like a teacher or a mentor or some way to develop the skills, right? Because we can learn anything. And it's like what someone says, um, I think someone asked a question, you called this out earlier. Um, at least I've received a lot of questions about, you know, how do I dirty talk, right? Some of us have a natural skill to be able to verbalize the like um, and describe like how my body is moving, how my body is feeling, and also to be able to even naturally um, uh, have the skill towards sexual communication that can describe dirty talk. Let's stay with this now because I had this conversation with a pal recently. <laughs> um and yeah, it's it's an interesting one where, you know, the partner might want want her to to do it, but she's not quite there yet. Yeah. So this is- how, do, how do you how do you how do you go from not doing it to doing it? Yeah. So this is the skill part, right, that we're talking yeah. about, the competent part before the confidence part. And so first of all, it's acknowledging that as you're learning a skill, you're never going to be perfect right from the very beginning. You're not going to get it 100 percent right, right at the very beginning. So I always say sexually confident people and um, they are willing to make mistakes. They also don't believe that they there is a right way or a wrong way to do sex when it comes to, you know, sex. And there's also no such thing as good or bad in that world, right? It all just is, you know? So um, when it comes to something like dirty talk, for example, as I said, some of us have a natural propensity towards it and others are just, I mean, for myself, I, I am, I was never good at talking dirty. I was like, always felt like this kind of cringe inside my body of like, oh my God, this sounds horrific. <laughs> like, what am I even saying? Right. And, and that's okay to feel like that, that in, in the, the beginning. That's in the past. Okay. Yeah. I like, I'm a, I'm a constant learner. I'm like, if I'm not good at something, I'm like, this is an invitation to learn more. And so it's, and everybody's different. Some people might be really into it yes. so we're all different exactly so for example the invitation to to talk dirty is actually really powerful when you go on that journey because it actually brings you closer to what you like and what you don't like and it also brings you closer to the language around sexual communication which is really important um and and what this also allows you to do is as you learn you know uh to to talk in this way you also learn how to guide a partner in a way that's still kind of bringing arousal into mm. the moment rather than demands you know and so you learn how to kind of again it's like the openness and invitation for mm. someone to come closer to you so for example with dirty talking like what you would be looking at is um uh, first of all, listening to audio porn or reading erotic novels is really important because in this, most of the time, the thing that stops you, the things you make, the thing that makes you feel that kind of cringe or awkwardness in the body is the fact that you actually don't know what you're doing. So when you start listening to audio porn, when you start list, when you start reading erotic novels, what you start to do is develop an erotic language and sentences, right? It's like anything. Then what you would do to, in, uh, is pick out, what I would advise people to do is pick 
pick out the the things that they feel turned on by the words that turn them on um the sentences that that make their body spark a little bit because it's really important that when you're talking dirty you're also connected to what you're saying right and then what you start to uh, develop is a is a kind of a language of things that you like to say and mm. then um you write like it's really like again it's like it's this is like going back to school right it's like the educate the homework part of the sex education then you write out like little like erotic novels for yourself or practice saying them on your phone and listen back <laughs> like you know what I used to do really so yeah. would you advise that somebody might get like a, a notepad or like yes. have a sex journal? Oh, I mean, if we could have more like erotica in the world, I just think it would only be good. Yes, everybody get a sex journal and start writing. <laughs> I'm sure there's some publishers out here that would like to like to be a part of that. But I think it's I think, you know, it's what it's what's re- like what I started doing. And I found it was even a self-pleasure practice, you know, when someone's like, oh, you know, how can I, you know, spice up my self-pleasure practice where I feel weird doing it? What I started doing was writing down all of this stuff. I, I basically then um would record on my phone a voice note of basically like me talking dirty or guiding a self-pleasure practice for myself and then I would play it in my own self-pleasure practice so in that moment I was like where my mind was tired and my brain was tired and I just wanted to feel like someone was guiding me so your own voice would turn you on not that my own voice was turning me on my own voice was guiding your, your, me your guidance within the note well it was guiding thing. me towards I'm just fascinated my, yeah, by this was guided right. towards okay. my own pleasure if I, I listen to a lot of audio audio porn because I'm very auditorially stimulated so um and I, like if someone even speaks in my ear they don't even have to be saying something sexy I can start to feel the vibrations and the tickles going down my neck and that moves because obviously sound very, is your it's your it's, it's your one of it's them. your thing yeah one it's one of them it's definitely one of them more than smell would be in space like sound okay. is definitely one of them um like what's I've the had, sexiest sound to you so oh anyone that speaks in a foreign language I'm just like I'm, I would always be asking my words do you, what other languages do you speak you know before <laughs> Before we get into bedroom because I want to know and then I'm just like as I'm about to orgasm if I'm just like please just like say anything in Spanish to me anything <laughs> it doesn't matter if you like say I like bread like literally my <laughs> orgasm will deepen and uh, oh, and funny. amplify like it's it's crazy you know so I would I, Irish work <laughs> don't know about are Irish. you laughing <laughs> <laughs> I have never tried Irish am I not wrong <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, Sheila. See? Um, now, this is brilliant. I love it. Because yeah. again, you know, you know what makes you tick. You know yeah. what works for you. You know what doesn't. And you want people to figure that out for themselves. That's exactly it. Yeah. And also it's like to, to say that nothing is weird. You know, like if, you, yeah. if anyone listens to auditory porn, there's parts of auditory porn I really, really like. But there's some parts like someone can say one thing that gives me like the ick, you know, and yeah. then that's yeah. my arousal gone, you know, and then I'm going to have to build it back up again. So for me, when I started doing these memos to myself, like the self-pleasure meditations, I knew the whole way through from start to finish, there was not a moment where my arousal was going to dip because someone said the wrong thing or this wrong sentence for me, you know? Can I ask you about Fifty Shades? And the reason I, it's just when you say that, I was reminded of, of going on a holiday with my best pal and we brought we brought Fifty Shades with us and we were reading it at the same time. It was a lot of laughter. Um, but the one thing that we both found hilarious and actually couldn't find remotely sexy was the constant news of the two words kinky fuckery <laughs> all the time it was like wow this yeah. is so unsexy doesn't yeah. work doesn't work yeah. so uh, I just found it, but we found it more comical than anything else and obviously it was like a global phenomenon the books yeah. were and then the movies and blah blah what did you make of all that 
I mean, for me, it just felt, I mean, I, I totally understand why it's kinky fuckery. There's kinky some fuck- words that people use and I'm just like, yeah, no, please don't ever say that <laughs> no, to no, me. No, 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 no. Yeah, you know, but also it doesn't even have to be, um, it doesn't even have to be sexy where it's like, I can't, ha- like my body uh, closes when someone says the word babe to me. And, you know, when someone's like, oh, oh interesting. babe, you know, my body closes instantly. So I'm just like, where does that come don't from? Don't ever, don't ever say that word in yeah. the bedroom. Please don't. Does it come from somewhere? I don't know. I don't know. It's just always happens. You know, I've never enjoyed it. But okay. like other other endearing words I really like, you know, but but for whatever reason, this word, like it just, you know, the way for some people it just, I, that gives me the ick. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. People talk yeah. about it. I'm just like, no. Um, and again, this is where I say like pleasure is unique. You know, it's so important that you know yourself because those, and then it's so important that you're confident enough in yourself. And again, that's safety within yourself that you can then express that to a partner so that they're aware of what's, uh, adding to and supporting your arousal and your sexual expression rather than closing it down. Right? Well, expressing it, absolutely. But expressing it seems to be something that also people were asking about because they struggle to perhaps communicate their their needs to their partner. And again, I'm guessing you're going to say it's not just an Irish thing, but is it the people pleasing in us? Do you know when somebody said, what do you like or what do you want me to do? We mm. sometimes tend to hold back and say what it is or... Oh, just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, I think there's a whole, there's, I mean, this is a podcast in and of itself, right? It's really? Like, absolutely. Um, I think there's a couple of reasons why people find it difficult to to express what it is they like and what it is they don't like. One of the big things is, first of all, the lack of conversation around sex definitely amplifies this. Okay. What also is another really big thing is that uh, because a lot of us do not know, and also I suppose it has been, um, I suppose, uh, cultivated out of us that we are mostly a society that works off numbing ourselves out in many ways, right? And that's very easy to do. Um, a lot of people don't have access to the sensations and feelings and also the yes and no response in their body, right? So we actually don't know what we like and what we don't like. Then because of the lack of conversation and the lack of openness around sex, and especially for women, um, we we learned from a very young age to hide our sexual pleasure like you think about being a kid right and we're 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 being quiet we're hiding our orgasm you know we're we having to you know lock ourselves in a room or go under the covers and not not hardly move hardly um express in any way shape or form so we've been taught from a very early age to to hide our sexuality um and the lack of conversation means that women were not encouraged to masturbate or to self-pleasure and when you're not masturbating when you're not self-pleasuring it's actually very difficult to know what it is that turns you on and what it is that turns you off the type of touch that turns you on the type of touch that turns you off and how about like at different moments in your cycle like at different times in your cycle where you might respond different ways or different times in your life where there's more stress in your body and and the type of touch you like in that moment in time a constant connection to self-pleasure is going to keep you connected to your body connected to the way that your body responds and in that you are able to better express to another person what you like and what you don't like most of us learned from a very early age especially as women to give our pleasure and to put our pleasure in the hands of somebody else Mm, so that's why when someone says hey tell me what you like 
most of the time people go, I like what you're doing. Just keep doing that because they don't actually have the language, even if they, they might like what the person is doing. So I'm not saying anything about this, but the fact of the matter is that most people don't go any further than this because they've never learned the language that their body is speaking to them. So when you don't learn that language, it's very hard to know what it is your body is saying. It's very hard to talk back to your body and it's very hard then to express what it is your body is saying to another person. That's where I say dirty talking is actually really good. Like it's a good skill to cultivate because what you're learning is a sexual language, right? A way to say to somebody, I really like when you take your thumb where you um, like wet it with your mouth a little bit as you're looking at me in my eyes and then you start to circle or orbit your thumb around my clitoris really slowly, really softly. And as they're, as they're moving, it's like, yeah, just like that, even slower even slower and you're starting to learn this amazing language like by like you know in learning the skill um, of dirty talking um in order to guide your partner every there is not a person in the world Sheila that likes to be guided we're very busy people we have a lot on our mind all of the time when someone is guiding you, right, yeah. you you get to shut your mind off. This is why I, I talk about the the voice memos, um, the self-pleasure voice memos. You get to switch your mind off. Mm. You get to be guided by somebody else's voice. Somebody else is guiding your journey. You don't have to think about what you're doing. You're just listening and responding. And that helps you to move into somewhat of a place of passivity while still being active and that um that kind of uh I suppose opposition in the body and the experience of those two opposing um those those two opposing I suppose activities in the body actually create sexual tension in the body which can heighten your arousal so there's many ways then to experience arousal this is one of them you know and if someone is confident in what they're saying to you the more confidence they can bring the safer you feel yeah, right yeah, in yeah, following yeah. their lead and again this is something that like it's it's something that you cultivate it's something that you practice and as I said at the base of all of this it's so important to allow for mistakes to happen mm. it's so important to allow for people to say the wrong thing for someone to do the wrong thing and for those things to be at the baseline and I always say it's really important to add humor in which Irish people do so so well I have to say mm. um, really important to add humor in to the conversation and to the the exploration around sex because then you're setting yourself up for connection and then it's and and, and also you're inviting more play absolutely isn't that it yeah and that good so um if you're somebody who who wants to step outside your comfort zone and and ask for what you want is it also good to invite your partner to to also tell you I'm guessing. Absolutely. It goes both ways. Yeah, but I I think it's, again, that's the convert, that's an individual to the partners themselves, right? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. One thing that you can't do, I get this question a lot, like if people are on their sexual exploration journey and their partner maybe not, might not be so interested, they're like, how do I, you know, bring my partner into this? Mm. Like, how do I get my partner involved? And it's like, actually the, the difficult answer to hear is that it's, you can't force people towards sexual exploration that has to be something that they arrive at themselves so you know if someone for example if I, I get this message a lot again from from men or like my my partner um doesn't feel confident in her body anymore after having our babies I still think she looks so beautiful and so sexy and I tell her all the time mm-hmm. but she's just not um she just doesn't seem to respond or believe me you know what can I do and I'm like well in that situation if your part there has to be an openness and again a willingness to receive what it is is that you're saying otherwise there's that's a, a guard up or a block up and there's actually nothing that you can do other than continue to show your support show your care show um 
and, 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 and kind of keep going, which is often very hard when you're being faced with what feels like rejection over and over and over again. Um, but it is, it's up to the other person on the other side uh, to be open to receiving that, you know, yeah. and that's things and that they have to do on, in, on their own side in order to be uh, willing to receive and even be able to hear and take that into their body, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Again, that's kind of back to the personal responsibility bit that mm. you know, sometimes we can I know that people, you know, in relationships that are maybe not fulfilling sexually can say, you know, he or she is just not doing it for me. But, you know, where where is that person in the mix then? Yeah, well, it's actually really interesting when we talk about shame. So the opposite of the opposite that we get mostly two responses when it comes to the experience of our sexuality, like we'll either have the shame where something happens, like a sexual issue happens. We either either take it in a shame where it's in our body and we think that it's something, there's something wrong with me or the other way that we can kind of uh, uh, experience it is push it out into blame, right? So we either take it into shame or out to blame. And in both those circumstances, there's not a conversation happening with our sexuality or sexual desires. It's just a way to kind of, um, uh, disconnect from it. Right. So the idea of, of, um, of noticing when you're going into either of those responses and coming back to the center, right. Of being like, okay, um, what does it look like to stay connected to my the experience of my sexual self in this moment is really important. A lot of people in like partnered relationships um, find it very difficult to hear um, the first and foremost thing that you need to be doing in order to kind of keep your connection with your own sexuality up is self-pleasure and masturbation, right? Uh, because they're like, oh, but I want to include my partner. I don't get as much enjoyment from self-pleasure as I do with a partner. And it's like, okay, that's fine. But 
there is more to know, right? There's more to learn. So it's like uncovering the layers. There's times when I'm experiencing self-pleasure and, and kind of solo sex periods um, where there's a part of me that's like, oh, geez, I better start connecting with other people because this is becoming so satisfying. I'm not going to need anybody, right? So it's always yeah. about maintaining balance, right? Um, and and that's a good one. Can I ask? I'm, yeah. I'm sorry for cutting across you, no, but no. so if you're somebody who is very, who has a very um, satisfying sex life, so you don't feel the need to self-pleasure are you losing out no no uh, this is what i say right your sexuality sexual wellness doesn't mean that you're in this state of bliss and ecstasy all the time that you're having loads of sex whether it's with your partner or whether it's with loads of people it it doesn't mean that right right? sex to be sexually well is to be able to move between states of you know grief and pain and pleasure and ecstasy at the like and to move between those states is to be able to experience ease and experience stress and not to be stuck in either of them, but to actually swing. So you're learning how to engage with your sexuality, engage with yourself on a day-to-day basis based off of who you are. There are periods where that we all go through where we just don't have a desire for sexual intimacy or penetration, right? If you're in hetero relationships and it doesn't mean that you're not sexual. It also doesn't mean that you're broke it's almost like you know have you heard those um the the way people talk about uh being seasonal right especially as women we all go through these seasonal stages and so the idea Mm. of being in a place where your sexual energy is more for you is almost like being in the kind of seasonal stage of winter right where there's still life there's still movement it's just not on the surface it's just not seen it's all happening under Neath the surface and what's happening in winter is there's that energy that's being collected and it's the same thing when uh, we ha- maybe haven't got a desire to share our sexuality with ourselves or with other people it's that that energy is still present it's still there and it's just very very internal and there will come a time again where spring comes right where the yeah. bud starts to crack and then starts to open into towards the earth and then we have summertime which is you know come get me. <laughs> I'm ready. Right. Um, and so we, we do have these seasonal phases sexually as well. And I think, you know, this is where education I think is really important because so many questions that I get, whether it's, I always say people come to this work for one of two reasons, either through inspiration or desperation. So either they're, you know, looking for ways to expand their sexuality, ways to experience orgasm or more orgasm, or they're, or they're, they're again, experiencing sexual issues maybe it's an inability to orgasm maybe they're experiencing erectile dysfunction with their partner and they don't know how to manage it maybe they're experiencing body confidence or body image issues and and again the problem with the lack of sex education that we received meant that and and this is where it did something really um detrimental to us as human beings. I always say our sexuality is an intrinsic part of ourself. It's as important as our physical, mental, emotional, even spiritual wellness. And when we do not receive pleasure-based education, we do not receive options right so when we experience an issue most people go to the go to the worst um kind of uh the the worst uh case scenario. worst case scenario exactly so um you know, oh, my partner and I have mismatched libidos. We haven't had, or my partner and I haven't had sex for, you know, uh, a month or a year or something like this. And they say like, and, and, and they say like, 
you know, the relationship, either I'm broken or the relationship is broken or he's broken or a combination of all of them. The only option is that the relationship is broken and we have to end, right? The relationship. Mm. Most of the time we go to the catastrophizing situations, right? Because we have had no options. Education, what education does is it gives you options. What options mean is that now you have choice where you never had choice before. What choice means is that now you have agency, which means instead of taking a passive approach to your sexuality, which is what fear-based sex or a lack of sex education gives you, right? The, you know, this is what's happening to you. You just have to ride the wave of it. There's nothing that you can do. That's the passive approach. Now, instead of that, you have the active approach, the agency, which is the active approach. Now I can do something about it. And that agency is empowerment, right? So when you put people in a position where they feel empowered, regardless of the situation that they're in, what you're giving them is, is life right? The ability to stay connected regardless of what it is, whether it's the, something happening. And, and this is where it could be the worst thing that you've ever experienced in your entire life. And you know that you still can stay connected to yourself, right? You still can stay connected to the people in your life. And mm. that's what's important, right? Like that's why, that's why I'm a real, like that's why I'll, I'll keep until, until people are sick of hearing me say it. This is where I'll keep saying sex education is, is so important because it's giving, it's giving, oh, I'm getting emotional now. Yeah. Yeah. I can feel oh, it from you. I just think it's such a shame, you know, yes, like yes, it's, yes. it's, people talk about shame and sex. Oh, I've n- <laughs> Hmm. I've never cried in a podcast before, Sheila. This is the first. (laughs) But, you know, I receive so many messages from people who feel that they're broken. Yeah. From people who feel like their relationships are doomed. And actually there are, and they think they have no options. And actually there are a multitude of options. And when you give people options, you give them hope. You give them life. And I just think that's so important to do, you know, especially when people are struggling. And I know that I'm listening to you speak and I'm I'm really tuning into everything. And I'm also aware that really to have a comprehensive conversation with you, we'd probably need 10 hours. (laughs) We probably need 10 hours (laughs) because we're scratching the surface of so many different things. Mm. But orgasm, let's let's talk about it, because what I felt from the messages and I couldn't help but feel um, I, I just really felt for a lot of the messages coming through, uh, a lot of people saying, you know, low libido, um, dissatisfied sexually, but also a lot saying they've never experienced an orgasm. Hmm. And can I experience an orgasm? Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's so interesting when uh, this is actually the the first workshop that I ever ran, ran was called orgasm and it was specifically for this reason. So I always say, you know, they're in the data and the science that we're given is that um, 40% of women experience sexual issues. And in this order, it is uh, the biggest one is low libido and lack of desire for sex. The second one is inability to orgasm or don't know if they've ever orgasmed. And so it's a huge thing. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I began that workshop in particular, because the education around it, even now, is still so limited. I always say if you haven't orgasmed or you feel like you have never had an orgasm, please watch out for my workshop, Orgasm Online. We do an in-depth dive in it. And what I see most people coming away with is this thing of where they come in thinking they've never orgasmed. And when they've been given the education, they're like, oh, I have. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so but I find that interesting. How would you like... Um... 
I, like I'm not trying to be flippant now. No, no, I know, I'm not. Yeah. But how would you not know? Like I, for me, it's such an it's such an obvious. Yeah. So there's you know co- when you orgasm, it's 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 I know I'm orgasming. Yes. Orgasming. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I'll just say calm. It's yeah. easier. <laughs> <laughs> so how would you not know? Is that just the disconnect yeah, so thing? There's a couple of reasons for it. Numbness can absolutely be a reason, right? Okay. So when we disconnect from our bodily responses, and I mean this like at a at a very basic level, right? People say like, how do I feel more? I'm experiencing numbness, how do I feel more? And it's like, well, start very simply, right? When you're thirsty, drink. When you need to pee, pee, right? Go pee. Most of us will sit in work until, and even though we might need to pee at 10, 45, we wait until 12 or one o'clock to pee because that's lunch break, right? Yeah. So when we are shutting off our bodily response, our body is saying, giving us messages all the time, like now you're feeling this and now you're feeling this and now go pee and now you're thirsty, right? And when we are not when we're showing our body we're not listening to those responses our body is trying to be efficient right all of the time it's trying to save energy so it's like oh she's not listening to us we actually don't need to give her these signals right she's just gonna go pee when she wants to pee right so it'll start shutting down these the problem is is that it will also start shutting down other sensations and other feelings so that's how it's one of the ways that we can move towards numbness in our lives right Mm. and again just one of the ways it's a more on the physical level there's emotional and mental and even spiritual reasons why we can disconnect from our body as well um that's just one of the ways so one thing that i always say is when you want to feel more start responding to those responses right because then your body's gonna be like oh she's listening to us she wants more responses and then you start feeling more sensation and then you the sensation starts leading you to more experience of i'm feeling this and then you respond back right so um uh the idea with orgasm, again, not feeling orgasm, as I said, numbness is definitely one of those things. Another reason is that, and it's a very big reason, a lot of women or a lot of people, right, we've been given the idea that an orgasm looks like, sounds like, feels like this, right? And it very much looks like, you know, Meg Ryan in the cafe. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is really based off a model that was, um, it's called the arousal model. There's a couple of different names, the stages of arousal that were, that was coined by um, sex researchers, Masters and Johnston, right? Right. They took um, a whole host of people and uh, what they did was, is they kind of categorized the stages of orgasm, right? And so those were broken into four different categories, which is the initial um, kind of arousal stage where blood starts pumping to um, uh, genitals. Then you start to, and and you start to feel like a stage of arousal. Then you move into the plateau stage. The plateau stage is where arousal continues to build, right? Then you move into the climax phase, which is where there's a feeling of like uh, like an explosion almost. And then you move into the final phase, which is resolution, which is a feeling of completion right this is the type of orgasm that most people are talking about when they're saying I've never felt that orgasm some people can get close to the climax phase and then right before they experience it they they shut it down or they they or they stop or else their body stops right and there's reasons for that as well but there are other types of orgasms and because this is the model of orgasm that we have been given a lot of people are looking for that model and and that response happening within themselves so the problem with that is that that's definitely one model right but the thing that most people don't know and don't don't we don't give anything context is that when scientists and researchers are collecting 
data and information, they're trying to find the commonalities, which means what they're doing is, you know, batting away where, you know, a woman might experience goosebumps on her body, right? They're batting away the moments where someone might experience like a heat rising, like from their chest into the palms of their hands or the tingles that you might feel in the palms of your hands and the soles of your feet. They're taking all of these things away because they're trying to find the average, like the mean average. And what we talk about in, in orgasm online is that that pleasure and sex is unique, unique yeah, to the person yeah. experiencing it. Not only is it unique, it's going to change because we're always changing all of the time. Right. Mm. So it's about teaching. I teach people how then how to be aware of what their body, how their the sensations that someone feels in their body and how to name those sensations. Right. Yeah. Um, so and that's why like my background is in somatic therapy and very early on Which I started is? a somatic therapy is body-based therapy yeah right um so I always for people who don't know I always say just like psychology is like talk based therapy or mind a mind-based approach to therapy somatic therapy is a body-based based approach to therapy which is I think it makes sense in the study of sex right or the kind of yeah the study of sex because you know pleasure orgasm is something that you feel in and through the body right yeah, yeah. so it's yeah very powerful so in in these practices i was combining somatic uh, therapeutic pr- approaches in tantra yoga and teaching people how to feel sensations in their body and it's it's really interesting like the whole curve of what you'd feel like what i teach in in those movement classes like very much translate to you know sex as well like sexual um uh experiences like in the bedroom and whatnot so it's teaching people how to feel. And when you widen, I suppose, people's frame of reference for what an orgasm is, you invite in more differences, right? Because again, like these, um, these researchers are trying to find the commonalities. You invite in more differences, you invite in more variety and you include more people. And so then a lot of people are like, oh, I already orgasmed. I just didn't know that was called an orgasm, mm. right? Yeah. Mm. Okay, I just had a quick look at the time and it's absolutely <laughs> flying by, which isn't, which isn't surprising, right? <laughs> but I'm conscious of the fact that people really did open up on Instagram. So I want to get to yeah, a handful of go. questions. So let's go. Right. Where will I go? There's so many. Mm. Okay, I'll go with this one. I fantasize all the time during sex, so much so that when I open my eyes, I'm almost shocked to see my husband. Mm. Is this normal? Yeah, uh, yes, <laughs> that's normal. I mean, the fact that you're so one thing that I will say is that um, a lot of people just to kind of add on to this question, right? A lot of people when they fantasize, they might fantasize about you know, different people, for example, other than their husband or different scenarios. And uh, some people become quite worried about this and they're like, oh my goodness, does that mean, you know, I, I want to be with somebody else or does that mean I don't love my husband anymore? And the one thing that I'd say is, again, this is where education is so important. Imagine if everyone in the world knew this piece of information. I think it would just save so many people and so many relationships. Um, fantasy is something that starts in the mind, but doesn't necessarily need to or want to be explored in the in the real world right is that where the danger happens if somebody has a fantasy that then they want to bring into to real life sometimes because they're they're unsure the difference between fantasy and desire is desire is something that starts in the mind but wants to be explored oh interesting yeah so um it's understanding so when people say to me oh you know i'm fantasizing about you know um i don't know like a, a, a my my 
my husband's best friend, right? Uh, does this mean that I want to be with my husband's best friend and not my husband? Uh, the next step is, is really getting people to understand, well, is this a fantasy or is this a desire, right? Because the reality of going down that path, right, is, uh, is very different. So if yeah, you were to yeah, follow yeah. that into a reality where desire is something that you actually want to follow, it's suddenly, you suddenly start to realize very quickly whether it's a fantasy or a desire. Is it hard to figure out which is which? Um, I, I don't know if I can answer that actually okay. for people. Okay. I think that's an individual thing. It's a personal thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it depends, I suppose. Yeah. Right. I mean, where my mind goes in that is that, you know, well, do I really want to break up my relationship yeah. or break up my yeah, family? Yeah, yeah, do yeah, I really yeah, want, yeah. you know, is it even an option to, to be with my, my, my husband's best friend? Like, you know, these are, are things that you start to go into. And I think, you know, they're interesting explorations. So, um, but what specifically what this woman was saying in terms of closing her eyes and going into fantasy so much so that she forgets where she is. I mean, that just looks like going into an extremely deep meditative state, right? Mm. Where, um, where it's very beautiful and it depends, you know, maybe she likes being in that place and might likes being in that state and this is what brings her pleasure or maybe she wants to stay more connected to her husband so this is something that she could share with her husband and say you know sometimes when I close my eyes I, I completely disappear into another world and go into fantasy um, but I'd like to stay here with you when you see that happening or when you notice it's happening you know could you call my name or could you tell me to breathe in deeply three times there is a, a difference as well like that I will say is that some people a lot a lot of times a lot of times people um it's again it's a an, one form of a response in the body that when they close their eyes if they're not in a fantasy that's actually playing out they could feel like they're leaving their body altogether which is a sense of disassociation yeah and that's where it's really important to have somebody that's there to guide you back into your body so if i would ask her like is it a fantasy like are you actually playing a movie in your mind mm. or are, would you say you're more so disassociating where you know you close your eyes and then suddenly you wake up and you're like oh my goodness i'm having sex that's a different thing altogether. Yeah, because when you say that about sharing with the partner, I instantly felt, oh no, don't mm. say that because they might be really be hurt by the fact that you are, are not being present with them and you're having to fantasize about something else during that time. I, I suppose that's just maybe, that's my own stuff. Yeah. Because well, I also, you maybe if somebody said that to me, that I would feel like, why why can't you think of being with me right mm. now? Because why are you fantasizing when I'm here? I I, I would just be worried that there oh, might yeah. be a bit of hurt there. Absolutely. I think, so first of all, I would say as well, you don't have, it's not important and it's not a must that you have to share, share every it. single okay. fantasy with your partner. But what you could say instead of saying I'm fantasizing and I'd like to be here with you is that, you know, oh, I recognize that I disappear and I'm not really in my body right? So you're not actually saying you're in a fantasy at all, right? So I'm, oh, yeah, I'm not okay. here. I'm not uh, really yeah, in my body. I get you, I get, and you, I get you. And I think as well, like when you're saying like, I'd like to stay connected to you. Mm. I don't really know why I'm not being in my body, but I'd like to stay connected to you. Will you help me? Okay, right. Or yeah. can you, you know, can that be something that you support me in? Right. Mm, mm. Uh, when you make, uh, when you make something, an invitation to someone, it's I've never had a refusal when it's an invitation. If it's a demand, right, it's something different, okay. right? Like if you're saying like, hey, like, you know, I'm like, whenever we have sex, like I'm just like fantasizing about something else the entire time, you know, like what's going on there? Or, you know, can you like, you know, are, 
in and you leave it at that, right? There's no invitation at the end of that sentence. Then of course your partner's going to be like, oh my goodness, like they must, I must not be good at sex, right? Like you're going into the shame or the blame. Right. I must not be good at sex or, oh my, like, am I doing something wrong? Oh my goodness, I'm not good enough or else you're going into, well, why are you fantasizing with someone else? You know, like, can you not yeah. be fantasizing? Like, so that now you're in a place of disconnection rather than connection, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before I get to the next question, I have circled pegging. I, I need to know what pegging is. <laughs> pegging is when um, you, for example, if you were with uh, well, anybody, a man or a woman, and you wear a strap on and you're having anal sex, basically. So a lot of the times it's a term within heterosexual relationships. It doesn't have to uh, be limited to heterosexual relationships where um, a man is receiving pleasure through penetrative sex, basically through his anus. Um, and the woman is wearing a strap on with a dildo. That's no. what pegging is. Wow. <laughs> now I know. Now you know. Nothing to do with drying the clothes. No. You, need a, you need a lot of lubrication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dry is not good. No. no good definitely not good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, well, let's stay with this now because <laughs> sex toys. Lots of questions about sex toys. Okay. Okay. Can Jenny give advice about sex toys? I've never used one. I have a good sex life for my partner, but am I missing out? Mm. So, um... I can't answer whether you're missing out or not. <laughs> but what I will say is that tools are, sex toys are tools, right? And tools are, and and as sex, as tools, they're really powerful ways to experience different types of sensation, to experience different opportunities, to experience different ways to have an orgasm or feel pleasure, right? Okay. Um, and I think as well, like on the market, we have uh, a wide variety of toys that you basically can do anything with, right? Uh, and and for me, it would be looking at, um, in terms of the introduction of, of sex toys into your sex life or relationship, I always say like, it's very hard, right? When you have so much on offer to know which is best for you, it's almost actually overwhelming to have so much choice. Um, so I would be like t- teaching people to ask questions like, you know, uh, what what is your intention right behind adding in a sex toy what what orgasms are you currently having what orgasms would you like to experience more of or what orgasms are so you know which areas you need to stimulate so that like determines whether you get a clitoral vibrator or a vibrator that um uh, maybe an insertable like for a g-spot orgasm or something that goes a little bit deeper so that you can start to hit cervical orgasm or a sex toy for anal pleasure right so you have, have so to... many questions yeah there is there's so, <laughs> many... so many questions <laughs> with sex toys it's fascinating again there were a lot of questions about this um but a question i have is you know can can the use of sex toys spoil you in mm. terms of so if somebody is using them and and really getting the best out of them mm-hmm. and getting, uh, you know, and bringing about huge amounts of pleasure, does then, does that uh, create an issue in a physical sexual relationship then? So what it can do is that it's possible for the body become, to become reliant on sex toys, a certain like type of touch and with coupled with a very high intense uh, setting, right? Vibration. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, this is talking about orgasm habit and this can happen with absolutely anything, right? We all have just, we're, we're habitual creatures, right? So we all create habits and form habits. Um, and you know how 
difficult it is to break a habit right yeah uh, it takes time it takes practice it takes a whole lot of patience right so what can happen uh, with anything so it doesn't even just have to be a um a particular toy right that you use for example it could be a particular position that you get used to it could be a particular type of touch that you get used to and when you drive that as your pleasure pathway over and over and over and over again this can become the only way that you orgasm right and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that if that's how you orgasm every single time and you enjoy it and you want that again and you don't want to change it absolutely nothing wrong with this right mm. but if it is if it is something that you want to experience different types of orgasms or different ways that you can approach orgasm then this is when it becomes an issue right it only becomes an issue then right because um what will happen again as i said it's like it's like dry it's like creating like you're digging a road right like you, if you keep doing the same thing same thing same thing over and over again the deeper that groove gets right and then okay. the harder it is then to um move towards a different way of pleasuring and what people find in the beginning is that i always talk about it like where i'm at like a, like when you're driving to work right people get used to doing something the same way. So it's kind of like when, you know, you're driving to work the first time, you're very aware of everything, all the sensation or all the lights, all the people walking, where you need to stop, where you can go, where the traffic might, you know, is is um, starting to pile up. So you're aware of everything the first time you drive to work. And there's almost like a sense of like being a little bit lost and not entirely knowing your way. When you drive to work after a first couple of times, have you ever had this experience where you know where you're going, mm. you get in your car and then suddenly you wake up at work and you're like whoa how did that happen how did that happen yeah did I break any lights you know and you didn't because what happens is again your body is always trying to work for you it's trying to be to, to um use your energy efficiently so it knows that route so much you've driven that route so much your mind knows how to get you there your brain knows how to get you there your body in terms of like you know the reflexes like the way that you're driving the way your feet move all that kind of stuff is working together to know how to get you there because you've done it so many times so when you start to drive a different route suddenly it's like oh jesus like what if we get stuck in traffic we don't know how long it's going to take to get there and it's very easy for us to kind of always want to drive the same route it's the same with orgasm when we drive the same route over and over and over again suddenly it becomes so habitual and so um known in our body that the idea of expanding it into a different way of orgasming um you know whether that's using a different toy or whether that's using a different position um like if you're used to you know uh, orgasming quite a bit in missionary to then try and orgasm when you're on top right is going to take you a while and what tends to happen is your body will start to crave what it knows so then you'll start to feel this kind of like I, I always experience it in my body like I guess it's sucking where it's like you know like come back over here like we know what we're doing we know how to get you there right so this is why one of the things that I say when I'm talking to people about you know having better sex is to remove the goal of orgasm when you remove the goal of orgasm it takes pressure off. it takes the pressure off absolutely but it also opens you up to more experiences more sensations than you've known so it's again like you know deciding to go a different way to work or deciding to go a different pathway on the walk you're more open to like oh my god look at that flower oh look at that beautiful tree right you become aware of things because you've never been there before so it's about learning how to enjoy the journey rather than the destination of mm. now i've orgasmed yeah yeah right? yeah 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 brilliant advice this whole episode has been full packed with brilliant advice i'm absolutely gutted to say that we've run out of time i can't oh, no. believe that we have but we have and i've only got through a teeny tiny 
amount of the questions. The only thing is within the conversation, you actually did tackle a lot yeah. of the topics and questions that arose um, from the questions that came in on Instagram. Um, and I suppose final words maybe of advice. What I think is really beautiful is that, you know, I mean, I definitely have word, like so many words, right? But I think what's really powerful is that, you know, I always think like that change happens when we actually really begin to take in the information, right? Like right now people are listening to this and, you know, I think things start to change, things start to happen when you actually start to honor like what it is that's already going right for you right now, right? So it's like that celebration piece is really important. So if people are listening to this, I would like, what are your, th- what are the top three things you would celebrate about your sex life right now in this moment? And then maybe what are the top three things that you would like to experience, right? Because now what you have is a really solid base of, yeah, like I'm, I'm good. Like my body is good. I'm good. And, and then what you have is a, a kind of a pathway of like, where you might want to go. And I think that's really where you get the benefit of these conversations. Um, so I could definitely say, you know, three, three things, but I always say, people always ask me like, what are the best tips? What are the tips and tricks? But the tips, like, again, we already know them. The people listening to this episode already know the tips, slow down, learn to make non-goal orientated time for yourself, a body part or a partner, right? Learn to remove the goal of orgasm. But these are absolutely worthless when you haven't got the foundation or even the mindset to allow pleasure into your life Mm. so celebration is a really powerful practice for that right because in celebration what you're doing is honoring the pleasure that you already feel right Mm. yeah Um, yeah I love that it's like practice of gratitude isn't it absolutely that's another really powerful pleasure practice right okay yes so uh learning again as I said you know you know for the next day for for like the whenever you've listened to this spend the next day now responding to your body's cues then you're going to start putting everything that we're talking about here into practice I always say like there's no point in me talking if I'm talking into a black hole it's really important that people start putting very simple things into practice so that it starts to have an effect starts to have a change and when people start to feel that in their body like that's agency you know yes so I'd say you know I'd say the final two things is pee when you need to pee and drink when you need to drink you know drink when you're thirsty yeah and and get yourself your sex journal which by the way (laughs) any publishers are listening you need to get on this with Jenny Keane thank you very much Sex Journal we need this um, also I, I'm, I'm just very grateful to you I will never put clothes in the line the same way ever ever again oh my goodness so thank you for that I'm going to send you a Christmas present <laughs> you won't be hanging on your line Sheila and on that note <laughs> thank you so much I've loved it you're amazing <laughs> I'm delighted to say that Jenny will be back on Ready To Be Real in the new year to answer more of your questions. And next week, I speak to Mark Boyle, also known as the Moneyless Man. You've been listening to Ready To Be Real. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. 
it'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 